Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 19th of December 2020. And the title of this episode is RPG Stats from 2020. We started last week's Audio EXP with two stats Geek Native had got from D&D Beyond. We discovered that the most popular character name was Bob. Cleric and Monk also made the top five. We also found out that the most popular D&D race to play was Human, followed by Half-Elf and Dragonborn. There, that's the recap. There are three more sets of D&D Beyond stats to go through, and then six bestseller charts from DriveThruRPG. We will do the stats first, and then get on with other news from the week. Let's talk about character classes. Now, perhaps we have a spoiler situation, given that Cleric and Monk are in the five most popular names. We'll find out as I go through the five most popular character classes in D&D Beyond in reverse order. In fifth place, Paladin, which makes sense, it's a bit of fight and a bit of heal. In fourth place, Wizard, well, you know, Fireballs. In third place, a Barbarian. In second place, Rogue. And in the first place, Fighter. That's right, neither Cleric nor Monk make up the top five. It also means that the most stereotypical D&D character we can generate from the stats is a human fighter called Bob. Hmm. We can go a bit deeper and get into the subclasses as well. Once again, here are the top five and in reverse order. In fifth place, the Hexblade. In fourth place, Champion. In third place, Life Domain. In second place, The Fiend. And in the first place, a Draconic Bloodline. It's interesting, isn't it? The, the most popular subclasses in D&D Beyond don't map nicely onto the most popular classes. There is an overlap, but it's not a huge one. I imagine that means some classes are not as popular because, in part, some of their subclasses aren't very tempting. And that reduces the number of people who might play them while concentrating those who do on those fewer subclasses. But just speculation. Now, there is one more slice of data from D&D Beyond that might help illuminate some of this growing mystery. I also asked what the most common D&D party composition was. The most common party in D&D Beyond is made up of three players. So matching that, the stats I have are for three player parties. Here are the top five, and once again, in reverse order. In fifth place, our party is made up of a druid, a paladin, and a rogue. In fourth place, our groups with a fighter, a paladin, and a rogue. In third place, our groups made up of a barbarian, a cleric, and a rogue. In second place, our party is with a cleric, a fighter, and a wizard. So what do you think the winning combination is? Well, in first place are groups with a cleric, a fighter and a rogue. Lots of fighters, which our previous stats agree with. Rogues, barbarians, wizards and paladins too. However, we see clerics all over the place and they didn't make the top five classes. So what's going on? Perhaps a party composition is a factor. Once a group has a cleric, they don't need another one. Groups are more likely to add fighters or wizards. And that extra fighter is probably a human called Bob too. What do you think of that theory? Let me know if you have an idea. The next stat drop 
comes from another powerhouse of the hobby, drive through RPG. It's not all about D&D. In fact, we start off by looking at other fantasy RPGs. The full top 10s are on the site and you can find the link in the show notes to the transcript or hit up Google for Geek Native. In 5th place, The Halls of Arunval Complete by Expeditious Retreat Press. In 4th place, Flying Circus by Newstand Press. In 3rd place, Legend of the Five Rings Path of Waves by Edge Studio. And at the start of the year it was Fantasy Flight publishing Legend of the Five Rings as a tabletop RPG. But by the end of the year it was Edge. Why? Well, Fantasy Flight has been trimmed down by its owner Asmodee and they've moved their games, the role-playing games to a different studio. In second place, Iron Sworn Delve by Sean Tomkin. So, although I did say this wasn't a D&D list, in the first place, Ancestry and Culture, an alternative to Race in 5e by Arcanist Press. That's a supplement that proposes an alternative way to handle D&D races. It upsets some people who feared that the RPG police might take their old books away. Nonsense, of course. And while it's not perfect, I do think the rules offered by Ancestry and Culture are more flexible than the core 5e and help make more interesting characters. The next genre we look at is horror. Buckle up. In fifth place is Blaster, Volume 1, by Blaster. Now, this is an anthology collection, and some of the ventures there absolutely qualify as horror. In fourth place, Dissident Whispers, by Tuesday Night Games. And it's good to see Dissident Whispers here. It's another anthology, and it was a charity effort. And Tuesday Night Games published a horror sci-fi mothership. In third place... The Chicago Folios for Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition by Onyx Path Publishing. In second place, Geist the Sin Eaters 2nd edition by Onyx Path Publishing. And in first place, Chicago by Night for Vampire the Masquerade by Onyx Path Publishing. In fact, Onyx Path Publishing gets three more titles into the top ten. Well done. After horror, we went to modern RPGs. And by modern, I mean a contemporary setting. If the game is set in a world that looks like ours, except vampires are real, then it's a modern game. I know, that's a fateful definition. So let's find out whether or not we're in for a repeat of the horror charts. In the fifth place, we have Kamikari, God Hunters, by Serpent Sea Games. That's not an Onyx Path horror. Already a change. And God Hunters, by the way, is an anime-inspired tabletop RPG. In fourth place, The Chicago Folios by Onyx Path Publishing. In third place, Geist the Sin Eaters by Onyx Path. In second place, we have Chicago by Night by Onyx Path Publishing. Yep, that means a non-horror took the top spot. In the first place, we have Ultra Modern 5 Redux by DiexX Machines. Great to see an indie game and an RPG publisher spotlight winner do so well. After Modern... We moved on to a genre a bit easier to define, and that was sci-fi. Usual story, we'll do the top five and do them in reverse order. In fifth place, it's a Klingon core rulebook for Star Trek Adventures by Modiphius. In fourth place, it's Dissident Whispers by Tuesday Night Games. In third place, it's Secrets of the Crucible by Edge, and that's a key Forge RPG that uses the Genesis system developed by Fantasy Flight. In second place, 
Ultra Modern 5 Redux by DiexX Machine Games. It's looking increasingly possible that we can jigsaw these league tables together and work out the overall bestseller, but I haven't done that and DriveThruRPG did not provide that data. And I'm sure you've guessed what the most popular sci-fi RPG of the year was. In first place, it's Cyberpunk Red by R. Tusselian Games. Would you have predicted that Cyberpunk Red has had better critical acclaim than Cyberpunk 2077? The news this week is that Sony is refunding PlayStation 4 orders on Cyberpunk 2077 as the game isn't really playable, and CD Projekt Red's founders have lost a billion dollars. I'm playing just a little bit on the Stadia, and the game is fine. I'm about two hours in, I know that's not a lot, but I've not had a single glitch, although I have crashed a car about ten times. And there are two more drive through RPG bestseller charts to cover. Let's tackle those before we return to the news. After sci-fi, Geek Native wrote up the best-selling historical RPGs. Once again, there's some definition wriggle on this, but as a starting point, if the game is set on Earth, even if monsters are real, and it is in the past, then it is a historical game. A game set in the 20th century is historical too. That gives us a top 5 that looks like this. In 5th place, Kids on Brooms by Hunters Entertainment. In 4th place, Deadlands The Weird West by Pinnacle Entertainment. In 3rd place, Aquella by Nocturnal Media. And I hope, therefore, this is a case of better late than never for the game's patient Kickstarter. Sadly, Stuart Week passed away before he could fulfil this RPG, but his friends and family stepped into the breach. In second place, Vason, a Nordic horror from Free League Publishing. I suspect Vason or Deadlands would have been people's picks for first place. As you can hear though, that's not the case. So two likely contenders are One Sevens and Evil Hat Aegon, or the alternative Roman Empire of Lex Arcana. As it happens, in the first place is Wolves of God, Adventures in Dark Age England by Sinomi Publishing. Aegon and Lex Arcana both make the top 10, just not the top 5. Lastly, DriveThruRPG and Geek Native looked at family games. In this instance, the word family is used to mean suitable for kids, but hopefully interesting to adults too. Something is unsettling me with that shorthand, but this probably isn't the place to unpick that. In the fifth place, Harper's Tale, a forest adventure path for 5e by Saturday Morning Scenarios. In fourth place, Tiny Taverns by Gallant Night Games. In third place, Pirates of Pugmar by Onyx Path Publishing. In the second place, Jim Henson's Labyrinth, the adventure game by River Horse. And that means, in first place, we have Kids on Brooms by Hunters Entertainment. How many of those bestsellers do you have? I do think it's fair to note that there are other places other than DriveThruRPG where you can buy RPGs. My PDF copy, for example, of Ultraviolet Grasslands was bought from Exalted Funeral, and they celebrated 20,000 orders this week. Itch.io also had a great year. Kickstarters, of course, are where creators like Philip Reed and Morris's end publishing do most of their business. However, I still think these charts have their purpose, as they help show which games picked up word-of-mouth recommendations and either capture the intention of people browsing a virtual shop or were sought out by people after the drama of a Kickstarter campaign. Of course, Geek Native's 2020 RPG stats did not dominate the RPGs this week. There are other stories outside those, and even outside Cyberpunk. 
Star Trek and Wonder Woman actor Chris Pine is believed to have signed on to the D&D movie. As a reminder, that movie is being directed by the Spider-Man Homecoming writers and being made in part by E1, a company that Hasbro spent millions on. I cite the arrival of a D&D movie as a reason why D&D 6 might not be around the corner. What the D&D movie could do is introduce a character like Vecna, treat him a bit like Thanos, you know, people collecting parts of the Leash God rather than Infinity Gems, and get people hyped for Vecna campaigns for years to come. I'm not sure they will. John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein seem determined to do something different with D&D. They've used the word subversive to describe it. I am concerned. But maybe they are right. Look at the money, care and attention spent on the Warcraft movie. That wasn't a knockout success, was it? While Cyberpunk struggles and Chris Pine got plenty of attention, in an email, Riverhorse quietly announced they would follow on the Labyrinth adventure game with a Dark Crystal adventure game. It's going to be written by Jack Caesar of Rivenhorse and Janet Forbes, who co-founded World Anvil. It's going to follow a similar model to Labyrinth in that it will look great, and they're even talking about transparent pages. It will have its own lightweight system and then a large adventure that you can use the book's rules for or any other RPG system of your choice. The Labyrinth Adventure game we know now was drive through RPG's second most popular family RPG of the year. Also popular this year was anime. Netflix announced that in 2020, Americans watched twice as much anime than ever before. And Disney has noticed. Included in their legion of new Star Wars shows is Star Wars Visions, which will be a collection of anime. And Geek Native has a single post summarising those new Star Wars shows and another single post for all the Marvel news. Disney is planning a lot over the next few years, and it's perhaps tempting to be cynical about it. They are really milking a winning formula, and at the risk of people burning out. But I will take it as a plus, though. I'm old enough to remember when geeky content was super rare. I will not grumble that that's changed. What I did grumble about was the structure of the RPG categories in the rearranged Origins and Awards. Well, it turns out I wasn't the only one. Publishers raised concerns too, and to Gamma's credit, they had a rethink. The RPG parts of the Origins Awards have been redone, and they make a lot more sense. They've dropped the genre bit entirely. Now the categories are Core Rule Set, Supplement, and Adventures. Two things to cover before we close up. Firstly, Humble Bundle has a Discover Image Comics deal. And if you're looking at a lonely holiday season, or you've just got lots of travel or free time, Due to the lockdown, then I think it's especially tempting. There's nearly one and a half thousand American dollars of downloads available, and the top tier is eighteen pounds seventy-four. Now, please note, I've just mixed currencies there, but that's humble and bundle experience if you're in the UK. I think eighteen seventy-four is about twenty-five American dollars. Lastly, Thought Police Interactive feature in the RPG Publisher Spotlight this month. What a friendly company! We talked about Gobble Gobble Gobble, a role-playing game about uplifted turkeys, other weird games, and that time a police helicopter was sent out in response to them, and their fundraiser to help a developer out. It's worth checking out if you have the time and you're feeling generous. And let's wrap there. Keep safe, stay out of melee range, and I'll see you next week.